One. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sixth edition of The Wrap. Today we've got quite a big, quite a big show with a lot of different stories, some happy stories, some sad stories, some beta males, um, some cultural commentary uh, coming as a separate podcast afterwards. For those who haven't uh, watched The Wrap or listened to The Wrap before, we bring you the news. There's no fake news here, um, you know, no mainstream fake politicians. This is a real deal here. So we've got Alex on my left. How you going, mate? I'm going great, Guns. Um, Curse's new album's just dropped, so as you can imagine, I'm happier than a kid in a candy store at the minute. Um, Andos was just playing it then, and what are, what are our reactions? Look, we, li- we listened to one song, let's be fair. We can't give a full comment on the album, but... It goes hard. As you can tell by my stank facial expressions, it was pretty filthy. It was, it was a slapper. Filthy. It was a slapper. Uh, but yeah, I'm going well. Going great, Guns. Um, excited about the rap today. A lot to talk through. There's going to be some controversial stuff, I have a feeling, but we'll see how it goes. We're going to suck it and see. We like to get this uh, show started off with jumping to conclusions. Yeah, I haven't really prepared one. Jumping to conclusions. Yeah. Uh, so where we jump to a conclusion, then we take the most interesting one, and at the end we discuss it. So uh, you'll have to wait and see which one we, we flesh out. And Os, what's your jumping to conclusions for this week? Mine for this week is that it should be socially acceptable to wear Ugg boots in all non-formal occasions, <laughs> especially in winter. Especially in winter? I mean, yeah, especially in winter. Naturally. Na- yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. There's not many people wearing Ugg boots in summer, but if you were to do so, I think it should be socially acceptable to do it so in most situations. So you'd say it's not socially acceptable now? I'd say if anywhere you go except like up to the shops... I think that's your limit on social acceptance. Like if I, even if I strolled down to Parallel Westfield, I think if I was going through there in Uggs, it would get some some weird looks. I mean, I've seen it done. In yeah, of course you've seen it done. I've seen it done. Doesn't you know, you get a lot of the yoga pants in Uggs. I've seen that combo before. No, I, you don't get yoga pants. You get tracksuit pants in Uggs. Yoga pants are normally runners or thongs. Yeah. But um. You, yeah, you get the trackies. It's not, the trackies, it's not as tight. A lot of time you get the full Adidas. You know the three. Three stripes. Three stripe the, with the leaf thing. Canadian maple Okay, leaves. Alex, have you got a conclusion? I don't, but I'm going to flick one on the fly here. See this? Okay. Not go on. Not going to say it. Not going to say it. Well, you're you the one who always complains about how long the shows go for, and you're happy to jump in already. Whatever. Whatever. Um. Do where you go. You go with yours. Yeah. Okay. My conclusion is that we should take the Australian capital out of Canberra, put it in Sydney, and have the Australian Parliament House in Penrith. <laughs> he's listened to Curtis's album now he thinks he's a Westie <laughs> that's what I think we should do um okay uh mine is electric vehicles are the biggest scam going around the biggest I'm gonna say <laughs> the biggest? I'm biggest. gonna say bigger than pyramid schemes I think they're bigger than pyramid schemes. <laughs> wow, it's a huge call. It's a huge call. It's it's a dodgy premise, but I'm I'm happy. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> Whatever. Who yeah, should we just... give it to? Yours is pretty Look, interesting. The thing is, it's a toss up. I think between is... our two, yours was hot trash. Yeah. This week. <laughs> I think the thing is, do we want to actually have any this segment to have any importance, or do we want it just to be for this week? Us trying to make Alex defend <laughs> electric cars being the biggest scam. 
I think it's just your personal dislike of Elon Musk. I like Elon Musk. I'm an Elon Musk fan. I just think he's he's a little bit of a pretender. That's all. Is he? He's, yeah. a, he's a fake ass rapper. I think he's he's absolutely awesome. But I'm not a rapper. <laughs> if it, if Elon Musk said, "I just want to make electric cars that are cool," that's it. But it's this whole climate change backing, which I don't back. So you hate how he stands up for something he believes in. Is what it sounds like. It. <laughs> Well, Andos, you can take that to a pretty ridiculous extent, can't you? Okay. okay. We'll get to that in the show. I think my conclusion is probably the best. I think we give it to Dougal. To I'm happy as usual. My conclusion is the best. It's the first time you've given a half decent one. Now, the first story for this week is a, is the domestic story for those who are familiar um, with the rap, and we're going to do the New South Wales election. You know, most of our viewers are in Sydney. Uh, there is a splattering of uh, individual ones around the world from my international friends. Some in Ukraine, some in Kenya, some in China. Um, well, you're really cultured, aren't you, um, Dougal? I'm you're Mr. Really, Worldwide. You spent some time <laughs> Mr. abroad. Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305. Um, he's, he's found himself abroad. <laughs> and um, so we're going to do the New South Wales election for those people who are thinking about it. So it's, when is it? That's, a, that's the first question. It's fairly soon. The, the post, well, the posters are coming up. The like, billboards are coming up. And you're only allowed to do that a certain amount of months mm. beforehand. It might be like even six weeks before. Well, when I was, um, I should have really prepared. It's the 23rd, of it's 23rd, 23rd of March. 23rd of March. So that's so next week, Saturday. next weekend. So we've got the, we've got, <laughs> these are the betting odds. You have the coalition, so that's the Liberal National Party, uh, on sports bet at dollar seventy eight as of today. Mm-hmm. Um, Labor two dollars and five cents, and then the next best is at a hundred bucks. So it's between those two. Yep. Um. <clears throat> Coalition are the favourites, but slim. You know, it could. You know, they're they're well within the margin of, uh, of error, contestability. Error. Yeah. Um, as far as we can tell, there are three big issues. Mm-hmm. The first one being kind of festivals, nightlife, drug policy. Yep. The second being building stadiums. Yeah. The third being climate change. Yeah. Um, as far as we can tell, on the nightlife drugs thing. Uh, liberals want to be kind of tougher on drugs. They want more police at the festivals. Um, they want to kind of crack down on drugs, mm-hmm. kind of uh, a continuation of the war on drugs or maybe an escalation even. Uh, then Labor is kind of standing for more liberal drug policies. Um, so in terms of what they actually want to do on that, um, Premier Gladys Berejiklian promised on Sunday to introduce court-issued orders that would allow police to search the homes, vehicles and the bodies of people without warrants. The system would be tested in four police command zones for two years and could only be used against people convicted of a serious drug offence in the previous ten years. Okay. What do you think about that? I'm not a fan of that at all. I don't, uh, think, you can, I don't think you can just start searching people without warrants. No, I agree. I agree. Um, there's obviously uh, the fundamental question. It's on. It's, it speaks to a more broad and almost theoretical question about the role of the police within the state mm-hmm. and what are the rights of citizens that should not be I- infringed upon, um, even in times of say a national, even times of emergency. You say, well, what are the incontestable rights um, that each citizen, by virtue of the fact that they are a citizen, is entitled to? Now, uh, searching your, your, the rights your own body um, is absolutely a fundamental one and it's a fundamental in terms of the state because 
the idea that the police are now going to be able to kind of rough you up and intimidate you, even with the caveat, kind of the idea that you've done a, a serious mm. drug. The, the, the whole purpose of a sentence is that once you've done that sentence, you're kind of... Um, you've done your time. You've done your time. You've paid your dues, right? And it's it shouldn't be the case where it's you paid your dues and then all of a sudden it's like, well... Um, it's a big target on your back. You get a big target on your back by police. Now, obviously... Um, there is a high recidivism rate, um, and there's a lot of people would say that uh, people when they go to jail when they get convicted they actually come out more radical and more hardened than when they came in because you're surrounded by thugs and tough guys. Um, but that being said, yeah, I don't like it. I don't think it's. I think it's more police state. It's more um, less liberty, less freedom on a purely theoretical role of the state, role of the police. Uh, it's a thumbs down from me. Mm. Uh, so what Gladys said was this is a request put to us by the New South Wales Police Force let's see how the pilot works is what she said mm-hmm. um, Police Minister Troy Grant said that the policy was primarily aimed at the trade in crystal methamphetamine and also heroin in some coastal areas of northern New South Wales yeah. um, Andy anything, anything to add on that question? Yeah look um, Gladys definitely has made herself I think a target especially to the youth um, and I don't think this policy does her any favours in regard to uh, election promises um, to winning young votes to winning young votes I think even like rightly or wrongly um, whether she deserves it or not she's sort of painted herself as a like the old lady who is really, the get really off my lawn lady. The get almost. off my lawn, no trick or treating at this house type of lady. Mm. Um, and I don't think this helps her really. But that's, and it, as well as the fact that I just don't agree with it as well, like Alex said, for people's rights to their own body and bodily autonomy. So, mm. not a fan okay. of this one. The Labor Party said um, <clears throat> in extension of the drug uh, policy. Debate. The Labor Party said it would consider allowing official pill testing at music festivals, which would allow individuals to find out if their ecstasy tablets are dangerous, and it will hold a summit to discuss the problem. What do you think? I've, about I've that? already. Uh, I think was it with you, mm. Andos? We had, probably have a lot of people, new listeners. Sure. Uh, we had a chat about this. Um, yeah. I've got a couple of obje- objections to the pill testing. The first of which is um, my. My key take is, well, if you take this to its logical conclusion, and we're happy for people to take uh, what were illegal and illicit substances in public areas, um, then it should just be legal full stop. Mm-hmm. It should just not, it shouldn't just be within kind of the confines of a specific area, if we're happy for um, that to mm-hmm. take place. Now, number two, I would also say that I don't think it's gonna be particularly effective anyway. It doesn't really address the problem. Um, primarily because, uh, the well, pill what's, testing what's isn't going to be well. It's not going to be accurate. Why not? It usually because it, it like to to get a pill actually accurately tested. It takes a couple of days in a lab. You can't bring that on site to, with any degree of accuracy. And not only that, most of the time, you're going to say that sure that, that the actual pill testing. Well, of course, work. of course, most of the I'm, most yeah, I'm, I'm happy, it, it doesn't work to the degree where it would be where it's anywhere kind of efficient. And most of the time, it's not actually. Um, it's people's natural reactions, their own physical, their kind of genetic predispositions. Like most of the time when uh, people overdose or have uh, like 
uh, stuff happened to their body. It's like they haven't been drinking enough water. Um, they've spent too long outside. In the sun. Like you can't control all of these variables. Now, if your argument is, well, they're going to do it anyway. Let's make it safer. That's the best. The best argument. That's what the argument is. Yeah. Mm. A bit of tone. Um, I just don't think it solves that problem in the first place. Well, it would definitely contribute. Like, even if you say it's not as effective as it as it's being advertised, <coughs> um, even if it helps, you know, a bit, that's still better than. Uh, okay. it's, it's the it's the well, I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't sure. have a particular. But, but, but what I also say is, yeah, a lot of the time it's a quantity thing. It's a dosage thing as well. So they say, well, one pill is uh, reasonably safe, but if you take it in large amounts, then it could be a different story. As well as that, I disagree. I think the characterization of festivals is quite naive for people who are pro-pill testing in that if you're already super inebriated, whether it be off alcohol or an illicit substance, like a like ecstasy or MDMA or anything like that, and you get offered more of it, or something where you think it's probably safe, then you're probably not going to go to the pill testing, like especially if you've got like a good position in the mosh or something like that. I think the characterization where people are always going to take these pills which they got off someone to the pill testing is very naive. Mm, okay, but wouldn't you say that? See, the pro- the problem with these arguments, as far as I can say, see, is that you're just saying it will be less effective than it's being advertised. And if you, the question is actually whether or not you think the goal is is good and worth pursuing um because just saying it's not as effective as it's advertised well even if it's 50 percent as effective as it's advertised that's still 50 percent in a either right or wrong direction so it's really about is it in the right or wrong direction not is it going to be 100 percent effective yeah but also that trade-off you have to account for like the compromise that we are taking by saying this is well, so that's the argument you want to make then well i mean it's 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 within that in that like we as a society, whether right or wrong, have said that people shouldn't take these substances. And now we're saying, oh, because like of so-and-so, we think in this specific instance, we should allow this. And by that compromise, it does set a dangerous precedent. Um, and if you want to like advertise the effectiveness of it, of it as like the way it is, uh, it has been advertised, whether it be like fully effective, really, really safe, reduce drug uh, drug deaths at music festivals and stuff like that I think we actually need to be honest about what the outcomes are going to be rather than just like painting a, a world which is idealistic sure but let's say like one life is saved because of a pill that's you don't take a pill um, that's been cut up with something bad surely that makes it worth it but like what even about, if you're on the other one okay but what I would also say is um, what if it also takes lives as well there is absolutely the risk that if the machine is ineffective or inefficient um and it but it comes back and it says yeah it's safe when it, in reality it's not and it was just a question of dosage and the person goes okay well sweet i'm going to take a whole bunch now over this time over a time frame where i may not have done it before we say well there is a serious cost and trade-off for something that it is ineffective Mm-hmm. And then is, there, is it the government that's liable? Is it the corporation who is doing the pill testing? Is it the person themselves who did the test? Who at that point is liable for Because the problem, the problem you have is that they'll say, well, you sign something, you say, well, I'm personally responsible for whatever happens, right? And that sounds great in theory. But if someone, comes, if someone dies um, after getting a pill that was marked safe, um, 
irrespective of all the other factors which I've mentioned, hydration, genetic predispositions, whatever, there's going to be a pretty big stink. There's going to be a big kick up regardless. And we, we can all say, well, they're responsible for their own bodies. It's massive blood on the government's hands, even if... Mm. Even okay. if Mark's safe. My natural reaction is to just legalise all the drugs. I think that would make it uh, a lot better, easier, safer. Um, but that's we're going to try and keep the wrap relatively tight and compact today. So that might be an argument for another day. No, I agree with you. But that's what I said about the logical conclusion is that you just legalise the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but that's not what the people who are advocating for pill testing, so far as I can see, are really uh, have been arguing. Oh, well, sure, because you can't have that conversation today. You can't have the legalised all the drugs conversation today. You might be able to have a pill testing conversation today. So you just shouldn't have the conversation? No, so it's about them taking more... Lib- it's about them taking kind of the, the fruit that's immediately available so to them. So it's pretty much, are you saying it's like advocating for this slope to eventually come? Sure. Well, I'm saying if you probably want to advocate... If you want to have pill testing, you probably also... You naturally want to um, have safe drug consumption, right? And so that would occur best in elite. Like, I just think that's what, what people... What a lot of the people will want. Um and that's, that's kind of what I want. Um, I f- feel like we should talk about... Um, Climate walkout? Not yet. Not yet. Stadiums. The former police, federal police commissioner, Mick Palmer, said he was, quote, quietly infuriated by the government's plan and that drug use is a reality we can't prevent. So that's a, a criticism of, um, the, the, of Gladys. Um, and also on Sunday, Labor leader Michael Daly said the party would be open, would open six drug detoxification clinics in New South Wales aimed at young methamphetamine addicts. Any reactions? Uh, my gut reaction is, um, I don't, I don't feel like it is this is probably one of the best arguments for legalisation is that let people do what they want we can regulate it um, there'd be some kind of clarity in terms of the, the causes and effects right mm-hmm. my problem is that when we like they, they, they want to open up six drug detoxification clinics and it's like that's taxpayer money mm-hmm. um, going, and I don't know how effective these things are or if it's just going to make it Mm-hmm. people kind of less sceptical about the effects of drugs. I don't know. I don't know. I just... Yeah. I'm Any? not sold on it. Do you know? I don't know. Thought nor. <laughs> so I'm not going to act like I know. We don't know. We really don't know what, what are you we're doing, doing most of the time. Um, I would say... Um, I'd probably support it in the sense that um, if you're looking at the costs of either having the drug addicts out on the street or drug addicts in a detoxification clinic, we're probably all better off. Like you would, even you'd say, well, I don't want my taxpayer money going towards it. You're probably safer um, uh, if those guys are in the rehabilitation clinic instead of on the street. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Look, I'm fairly open to it. If it's, if it is effective um, mm. and it's like where there's actually some kind of give back there's actually some kind of return that I'm open to it. Mm. I'm not hard and fast, but it's um, 
again, this okay. is just it's a, they're all arguments for for uh, they're all libertarian arguments, really. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll do stadiums quickly. Yeah. Um, the kind of argument is. Um, so we're talking about a specific stadium. We're talking about like Western Sydney Stadium. Is there any other stadium? No, 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 no. The, 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 the stadium thing is the SFS. Oh, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a SFS. They've already started um, pulling it down. This is the whole big debacle. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. you run us through it. The whole the whole debacle was that. Uh, so Gladys has decided that um, she was going to knock down and rebuild the SFS. Right, mm-hmm. it had an estimated an estimated cost originally. It was like three and a half billion dollars, and now it's gone down to seven hundred mil. Um, there was a whole bunch of objections from the labor the labor side, and they were saying that the, the stadium seems to be reasonably mm-hmm. operational. It's not any uh, totally necessary um, and kind of like impending issue. Mm-hmm. Um, this could this money could be spent better. She didn't really wait. She just went ahead and started ripping seats out. Mm. Um, and then, so these seats, like there is the big seats issue. And the seats issue is that there's, the seats in the SFS were like highly farmable or something like that. And she was like, yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a safety issue. But then these seats actually got flogged to rural, uh, like rugby clubs. They, oh, all these, yeah, these rural rugby clubs were like, yeah, yeah, we want, we want the seats 100%. Like, um, and we'll take them at a cheap price. Because a lot of the time, like, you need yeah. seats at a rural rugby club. Um, and then so then the Labour guys were like, well, if they're unsafe, why are you flogging and flogging? Well, why are you sending them out to the bush? Yeah. Um, bush anyway, so, so despite all this heat, um, Gladys has been saying, well, it's an investment in the future. It's infrastructure it brings all this money, uh, lots and lots of jobs. Um, it's going to be between forty to $50,000. It'd be cheaper to knock it down and rebuild than to refurnish it. Right. Um, and so then Labor's slogan coming out of it has been like schools and hospitals, not Sydney sports stadiums or something like yeah. that. And so the problem as well is that on the board of the executive directors mm. um, of the SFS is a bunch of notable right-wingers, yeah. including uh, your boy Alan Jones, right? And so Michael Daly came out and said um, on Alan Jones's 2GB radio show, uh, if we are elected, we are going to sack you guys. The whole board's got to go mm. uh, for this type of rubbish. Yeah. Um, you're going. Um, so that's kind of where Michael Daly stands. Um, yeah, that's 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 my estimation that's, of the stadium issue. I don't know if there was another one that you, you would, could say. That's the wrap of the stadium issue. Very well could done. Could say that if you wanted to. Um, don't know why you want to. Um, Just a little bit of irony. Which and well, we like um, to have fun here. I think it's a pretty convincing argument from Labor, particularly to like rural New South Wales who derive no benefit from um, a Sydney stadium. Yeah. Um, no direct benefit. Well, what 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 other benefit? Oh, do I get? the cash you get from it. Yeah, but I'm saying you don't get any cash. If you're yeah, but if you're saying like if, if you're saying that they might be able to reduce taxes or something like that. What do you mean? If you're getting enough, like if you get an influx of tourism and cash. Um, why would yeah, you get an influx of tourism no. and cash from building a new stadium? Because it brings uh, sports events, celebrities who are like doing tours and music and all that type of stuff. And mm. you'd hope that if some of that money was going to the government, then they wouldn't, then they would invest it somewhat in rural issues. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I said. Think in- that's a stretch. Well, I said indirect. Yeah, but I'm saying like 
it's 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 definitely a stretch in terms of like the benefit they would get if that 700 mil or several billion was put in something something else it's like the opportunity cost is 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 big sure but even you could say that about like let's just say there was someone spent 100 million on a school if you're not going to that school so mm. so then i don't know if that's mm. the best possible argument mm. maybe 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 i'm a bit dusty today i have to admit you're you're also a little bit um snippy a bit well. snippy you have been a bit snippy so far i may have been um still recovering a little bit from uh, a big one yesterday but um, Andy Austin and Dougal actually ended up at the same party. Andy Austin got a bed in the house. Dougal managed to sleep in the car. Mm. About it was actually my second night in a row sleeping in a car because I slept in it on Friday as well. I went out for dinner with uh, a good friend of mine, um, Justin Penner. He'll be he'll be listening to this. I have um, seen Justin. Come, he's a great and, man. Um, he's, he's a good, he's a good guy. He's so good anyway, we ended up having dinner. We then had a drive and listened to a Jordan Peterson podcast. And we also, then we went back and had a cup of tea with, with his parents. Um, so anyway, it's about 10.30. I'm about 300 metres up the road. Yes. It's, I'm 300 metres up the road having a cup of tea uh, at the time when mum tells Andy, I'm going to be coming home tonight, leave out a set of keys. She said, now, Dougal might be coming home tonight. Can you leave out a set of keys? And I said, <laughs> yes. To be fair, I should have done it. Now, I forgot about it. I had a big night, lost at debating, was pretty sad at that. At 12.30, I come home, no keys out, no way to get in. Mum's had a big day. Andy and Fiona both not answering their phone. I'm not going to knock on the door and, and bang on it and wake up Mother Dearest, but so I just had to sleep in my car. Why didn't you knock on the door? Um, Mum's a light sleeper. I, oh, I just didn't want to interrupt her sleep. That's ridiculous, because if you, if you walk around the bottom <laughs> of the house, she knows about it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> me and dudes have been having a couple of some late night deals. We're just having the kitchen, just calling each other whatnot and complaining about NBA and 2K. And then you hear mum, mum go from upstairs, oh, can you boys turn it down, please? Okay. I'm trying to sleep. Okay. Anything else to say on the stadiums? Um, nothing that you're not going to be snippy or sceptical about. So, Okay. Now, do we want to do climate change and a climate change walkout? Just quickly. Just quickly. Let's hustle through it. Alex, you're the big... You love a bit of climate change discussion. I'm the big climate skeptic, and I was actually reading up on uh, the three most uh, venomous and powerful arguments. They are just single words against climate change, and they are hide the decline. And I would encourage everyone at home to type it up and look it up. Hide the decline. It is absolutely the most pivotal piece of information, which may tell you that there is something deeper and bigger afoot here than just a little bit of greenhouse gas. Um, my thing is, I, I'm not super fussed if kids want to walk out and it's something that they uh, really get behind. I don't, my impression is that it's not really the kids who are pushing this and the kids are kind of being pushed out as the, the voice and the united front when they're just being fed information um, and kind of getting whipped up into a frenzy. Um, I would be interested to see what the media reaction would be, say, if it was a pro-life rally that the kids were getting behind. Well, it wouldn't be covered because they do have the March for Life every year in Washington and it never gets covered unless yeah. you have uh, a, a native Indian bang the drum against the Covington kids. In your face, and we'll talk about that later, but I would say um, it wouldn't get covered, number one, and number two, it would be labelled as kind of this radical Christian, mm. uh, far-right ideological uh, mm. immersion program for kids. So, uh, look, I'm pro-protesting, but... 
I don't like the idea that these kids are being used for something deeper afoot, which is exactly my big oh, scepticism. I doubt they would. I think most kids who are there would probably genuinely believe in climate change. I'm sure they genuinely believe it, but I'm saying they're getting brainwashed. My, my take from it, especially from seeing the amount of Snapchat, Instagram stories from the event, especially from people who you wouldn't expect to be like very politically inclined, is that really like the narrative, like the way people have up. wanted climate change to be presented to them has been like completely swallowed up and like most i'd say if you had someone like stephen crowder or like lewis spears or other people like flecker's talks there asking people like what do you think of climate change like and why then i think most of the kids would crumble under uh like why they think climate change is that bad or like where they think they've gotten it or like where they think it's from so like I really don't see, I have an issue with it in that kids who aren't really invested in it and kids who don't really know about it just essentially getting a day off school. You know, can you go and fix the camera, please? Um, yeah, look, I get it. I think most of those kids would just be trusting the UN climate things and we can have a discussion about why we might not like that, but I feel like they'd probably get it from the UN, so the problem's really with the UN, I guess. I don't um, think it's with the UN, the Climate Council, and like the Paris Agreement and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's, I, I think they're a big driving force, but I think it's also they're getting it from the media, which is just perpetuating this kind of anti-capitalist, anti-human narrative, where it's just the pretty much the white people are destroying the environment. Um, but like you said, they're all recording on their iPhones. Uh, the construction of an iPhone is not great for the environment. Um, mm. They're all getting there by cars. A lot of them. Uh, their parents are driving around in SUVs. Um, it's. I don't think it's going to do anything well. It's like, what are they going to do? Like, if we have to cut emissions that drastically because it's an existential crisis, like there are going to be sacrifices that have got to be made, and the kids aren't. I don't think the kids are aware of them. Okay. Andy, anything to say? No, I think I've said my piece. Not very effectively. Okay. But we're going to move on to the international story. Could be the least effective rap we're going to do. Um, what do you mean the least effective most rusty least effective the most rusty least effective rap yeah I'm not really on the ball but we're doing trying to be consistent um, I'm happy to cede the hosting uh, responsibilities to Alex if you want to do it I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy to take it I just I've noticed just your tone's been a little bit sure aggressive. why don't you take us through the because um, this is a story that does require delicacy yep. uh, to handle and I might not be in the best position to do that at this point okay um so, oh well, I can I can start off it? this story because I'm the one who researched it. This, yeah. this is the this is the international story, but it does have uh, an Australian connection, uh, which is the Christchurch mosque shooting um, slash Fraser Anning response. Um, now, this has been all over the media recently, so I assume you kind of have a general idea of what happened. Um, last week which was the single biggest terror attack in Australasia uh, in I think in the history of Australasia equal in number of victims to the Orlando nightclub shooting uh, in 2016 uh, it's a profoundly sad event um, the uh, there's not a lot to say except um, we're sorry to the uh, to the families we, we feel, um, you know, we grieve with you. Um, 
and then um, it's it, it's a politically motivated attack. Uh, the guy was a far right terrorist um, who was, as far as we uh, understand, echoing the the delusions of the Norwegian far right terrorist Anders Breivik. The apparent killer's motives are twofold. One, to kill as many, quote, invaders as possible. And number two, to promulgate a white nationalist ideology. These motives essentially emerge from the uh, conspiracist basis of his, uh, quote, replacement theory, which asserts that Muslim invaders are repopulating at a faster rate than the, quote, native white population and thus will eventually expand to replace whites and must be stopped at any cost. Um, so first thing to say is that this man was an evil man. Uh, and the second thing I would say is that his ideology, uh, as, as, as well as being evil, is, is wrong. Um, and the reason why I think it's wrong is that the, the real alternative right, like the Richard Spencer's, the National Policy Institute, um, in America, uh, not your Jordan Petersons or your Miley Yiannopoulos or, or whoever else, um, have, uh, have their ideas essentially tied to race and skin colour. Um, and the reason why I don't think that's true is because I think ideas can be separate to people and are separate to people and people have the freedom to choose their ideas. They're, they're not they're not born with them and they take them for life. Um, so what this means, as far as I can tell, um, is that if you want to keep a country's, if you want to conserve a country's culture, um, the way to do that is to uh, sell the ideas to the people um, and not to put restrictions on which uh, coloured or kind of people are in the country like it's not tied to skin color mm. um and the role is is to preserve the ideas rather than the people of a certain skin color yeah what do you think yeah i don't have much to say about the story and i don't want to say much about the story um it is a profoundly sad tragedy um i mean the guy is Clearly, an evil guy, um, and I mean, he—it wasn't for, 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 from what we can see. It looks like it was—it was—it had been thought out well in advance. It wasn't mm. an impulsive uh, kind of break from a normal life. Um, he obviously, if you read some of the manifesto and what he'd said, he's been—he said he'd been planning it for something like two years. Um, there is, of course, as there is. Well, I don't. I, I I'm not going to bring sides into it, but there, there is, of course, a, a fraction of the right towards very to, towards the absolute extremes of the right, which is racist, um, tyrannical, authoritarian, evil in nature, and which should absolutely be uh, resisted and fought against. Absolutely, there's no question. Um, and he belongs to that, the, these kind of ethno-nationalists. Mm. Um, because the thing is, if you, if you take the position 
that race and ideas, so race, yeah, uh, race and ideas are um, intertwined. inexorably intertwined, and there's no possible separation. Then the progression from which you go after that becomes more and more radical, and it also becomes more and more extreme. Mm. Um, and so this, the, the starting point is actually really dangerous because the starting point is the, the means by which it manifests and mm. grows and becomes something dangerous. Um, mm. Yeah, the only thing I would add is that um, I would say me personally and probably Alex and Andy, I would guess, wouldn't necessarily put ourselves on a spectrum of left to right. We'd put ourselves more on a spectrum of individualist versus collective. And so what that means is that if you change into the individualist versus collective spectrum, it means that kind of far right and far left are brothers, not opposites. Yeah. Um, big government, uh, collectivism, Authoritarian. uh, authoritarianism are brothers, not opposites. Yeah. Um, and the solution is to... Uh, treat people as individuals not as part of a group identity and what I th think is is a good solution for most problems um, kind of including uh, including the ideology behind this terrorist attack um, is to be treating people and having a worldview based on an individual rather than a racial or a group perspective um, that would mean that you think every individual life is valuable uh, and that's not um, affected kind of by these things you can't choose, like skin colour or whatever. Um, and the, the life is actually not, not made kind of more or less, even maybe by the ideas. But yeah, like I just think you have to say every life is valuable and you don't judge people based on skin colour. Um, and that means you want to step away from identity politics on the right and you want to step away from identity politics on the left. Um, I think we don't want to be having like white identities and black identities um, and kind of Asian identities. Um, we can have identities first and foremost as individual people and your kind of skin colour or your race should be like the 10th most defining thing about you or like somewhere way down the line that's that's not the core essence of your person um jacinta ardern has promised uh to take to to do gun reform to take uh, the guns um we we've done a gun segment before we're generally pro-gun and it's always hard to talk about guns in the wake of of a shooting um, so we'll probably leave this one here. Um, I feel like it might just not be the best time to talk about it. Okay. Um, there is, yeah. I would also, then we can, we're going to extend the story, um, to Fraser Anning. So Fraser Anning had a response, which was, um, widely condemned. I would condemn it. Um, I thought it was bad. I thought it was dumb and stupid and there were some parts of it which I would also say were were, were evil. Um, while his response firstly said he condemns all violence, he then goes on to say, the real cause of bloodshed on New Zealand streets today is the immigration program which allowed Muslim fanatics to migrate to New Zealand in the first place. 
Um, and so while I am pro the idea of having a talk about um, Muslim, not Muslim, um, mass immigration, um, we can't attribute a mass shooting which could have not happened, um, which was perpetrated by uh, an individual. Um, we can't say that uh, that was caused by Islam. That was caused by one person. Uh, that's what I would say. Um, yes, and it's of course it's an unbelievably long bow to say that an attack on Muslims was caused by Islam. Mm. Um, there is absolutely uh, room for a reasonable conversation about migration. Uh, there is always, I think, uh, reasonable room to have a conversation about um, multiculturalism in terms of what that actually entails. Uh, but Fraser Anning has done absolutely irreparable, in my estimation, damage to his cause. Um, and it is going to be unbelievably difficult for him to raise any valid points in the future. Um, and he's also made it unbelievably difficult for anyone who has any legitimate concerns about migration to come forth without being simultaneously associated with those remarks. Um, Fraser Anning has, in my estimation, I don't think it's a, a fait accompli, but he has dealt a catastrophic blow to his own cause. He's shown a total lack of situational awareness. Um, he has shown a very ugly and dangerous side to his own personality and to his supporters. Um, but if we were to say it, sunlight is the best disinfectant, as people mm. have often said, and I think it would be, it is, it's difficult for me to say this, but I think it's, it is much better that, Fraser Anning has said this and that we know what he is really like than had he harboured this view and been dissenting it and disseminating it um, quietly and in a more radical format than this. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty um, pretty fine. I think that's true. I'd agree. Um, now, I think it was yesterday there was the kid who cracked an egg over Fraser Anning. Mm -hmm. He's become a bit of a, a cultural sensation. He was then, um, he, there was a little scuffle with Fraser before the kid was tackled by a few of Fraser's um, supporters, uh, put in a pretty strong headlock, as far as we could tell from the video. That kid, as of before we started this podcast, has crowdfunded over $26,000 for future legal fees. Um, and I think he won't have a problem paying for whatever legal fees he has. My understanding is that all charges have been dropped anyway, so I'm not exactly... Oh, yeah. Unless he is going to prosecute Fraser, um, but charges against him by the Victorian police... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, were dropped. Okay. Walked out without charge. Okay. Um, Which is... It would be I definitely understand why uh, Fraser copped an egg, and I definitely understand why a lot of people are supporting the kid. I'm kind of neither here nor there. It's kind of funny um, to do it to a politician, um, but also it shouldn't really be a thing that we do to other people to break eggs on them because we don't like them. Uh, yeah, I don't like it, to be honest, um, because 
the thing about it is um, often these situations where there's because if, if you say for example in particular circumstances under certain conditions it's okay to perform an act which would otherwise not be okay mm. the problem then you have is well who's going to be able to define what situations are okay to do it and the extent to which you can apply force or something that otherwise would not be okay mm-hmm. if you take it to its logical conclusion um, there's pretty much nothing that you could couldn't do if there was a situation extreme enough mm-hmm. um, that being said I'd obviously you don't want to get into the metaphysics of someone getting egged mm-hmm. um, and I don't particularly think it's good practice he was 13 did something stupid whatever um, bear in mind Julia Gillard got egged a bunch of times as well who was it George Bush got a shoe thrown at him uh, Reagan got shot at Reagan got shot at so I um Japanese Prime Minister, the Communist, or the, 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 the Prime Minister, your candidate, got samurai sword, um, blow to the body, which killed him. But also, like, you look in Mexico. Mexico, there's been hundreds of public officials that have been shot over the past mm. couple of years. And that's, like, obviously, you, I don't want to link the two and suggest that once people start getting <laughs> eggs, that now we're going to end up like Mexico. But you would also say that... We should treat the way in which the public approaches public officials and people who are supposed to be acting in the best interests of society in a reasonably careful way, is what I would mm. say. Yeah, it was kind mm. of funny. Um, did the kid maybe deserve a slap? Probably, okay. if you would say. Um, it's fair, it's fair. Like, as far as I'm concerned, you egg the guy, it's game on. Yeah. yeah. Like, you better be prepared. Good to see. I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't um, neither here nor there on, on Fraser getting stuck in. Also, in the same way... I was uh, I quite liked when when Bolt got um, two thugs came and tried to um, initiated a fight with Andrew Bolt on the street. Bolt threw a couple as well. Um, the thing I, I think you know I don't want to paint a broad picture of what mm. it's like, but there is a kind of a, a, a thing going around where it's like it's okay to harass like conservatives and yeah. like people on the right, and every now and then someone on the right is going to throw one back, and it's like it's a big story, like it's just yeah. It's what is going on, yeah. Um, because they're often the ones who are, you know, supposed to be conservative, yeah. and then every now and then they just snap. Yeah. Um, don't be surprised if you go up to a conservative politician and you give him some lip; he gives you some back, if not something extra. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do it to the Trump monster. Have you seen that? He's got a powerful arm. I think. Uh, I right saw there. that video of the, got a the flex. Arm. Yeah. In fairness, I guarantee you that guy's been in scraps, hundred percent. Mm. Mm. And I would. I want to see him yeah. in a scrap with Joe Biden. He would take that boy to Joe the Biden would go down hard and fast, crying all the way, is what Trump would say. Now, I, I don't want to be um, throw around innuendo or defamatory allegations, but there is uh, Joe Biden creepy compilations on YouTube. Creepy Joe. Creepy Joe. If you want to see something weird, um, I would say have a look at Joe Biden in the way that he uh, hangs around people's children. That'll freak you out. Right. Yeah, he touches them all inappropriate ways. Um, people's daughters that come in like other congressmen and senators like he's super handsy um, yeah your boy Joe's got some skeletons in the closet I guarantee it that's why I reckon yeah he's done by the deep state he's totally compromised right 100% anyways okay next story after that character assassination um, is Iran being appointed to the UN Women's Rights Council um now, we all know that Iran is a bastion of gender justice under the supreme leader Ayatollah 
Carmena, eh? Bastion might be our favourite um, word on the podcast. It's definitely my favourite word. Now, I use it way too much, especially <laughs> not in the right context. What we would, what we would say is this is a kind of I told you so moment uh, for Donald Trump. Now, we might remember that a few months ago, Donald Trump uh, pulled the United States from the UN Human Rights Council um, because the UN Human Rights Council and UN branches like the Women's, um, like the Women's Rights Council uh, do a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah. Um, this, this appointment comes just in the wake uh, of a prominent female, female Iranian lawyer who defended women... Um, who had been arrested for protesting Iran's mandatory headscarf law. So there's a female lawyer defending the people who were arrested, the chicks who were arrested protesting the compulsory headscarf law. Um, she's just been dealt a total of 38 years in prison and 148 lashes. Right, so that's who we got on the Human Rights Council. Um, you might wonder, this is an example of the UN, it's a bit of a racket. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Iran had made a significant donation to the Clinton Foundation. Um, and this is kind of the... It's... Yeah, I don't know what to say about it. It's just dumb. The you, Women's Rights Council is the opposite of the Women's Rights Council. It should be called the Women's Oppressors Council. Uh, and any sane country should withdraw from it upon Iran's entering into it. Uh, any sane country should have withdrawn when Saudi Arabia got a gig. Now... Uh, our, you know, a favourite of the podcast, Gavin McInnes, has, if you go on Joe Rogan, Gavin McInnes talks about Iran. Um, and he makes the point, if you look at Iran in the 70s, uh, the women were doctors, lawyers, out smoking cigarettes, driving cars, in singlets, uh, no bras, uh, pretty much the most liberated female population in the Middle East, in that area. Um, and you go 40 years ahead and it is like getting in a time machine and going to a different planet. Uh, mm. The women shuffle around, don't, not really talking, extremely quiet, um, head-to-toe gear. Um, and then we've got the UN Women's Rights Council going, yeah, I think we should give it to Iran. Mm. Um, that is... Stitch up. It's not a stitch. It's effed up. It's really effed up. Um, and, I mean, that in itself is enough for me to want... I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the UN. Mm. I don't know if you are, Dukes. Mm, not really. I don't think there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of the UN. I think there's a lot of hogwash, a lot of hot air. Mm. Um, a lot of expansion of the state-type policies. So, yeah, UN can go to buggery. Massive beta mail of the week. A nomination, I would say, to the UN... Mm. I think Fraser Anning gets one as well. Fraser Anning gets a big one. He gets a big one. Just a prodigious idiot award as well. Yeah, not just being a beta. Low IQ. Low IQ. Low IQ individual. Low IQ individual. Speaking of, I just I just might cut in because um, our favourite beta male, Jussie Small. <laughs> Do we? Does this guy have a permanent position on the brunch? This guy's going to be... We're gonna, I want to get a real trophy and we'll get Jussie Smollett's head I want on a top bust. of it. I want a bust. the Jussie Smollett... Beta male of the week, um, so because uh, he's beta male of the galaxy. Yeah, so he has to get so the award has to be in his name. So yeah, um, have, like the, the on Top Gear, they have like for the celebrity laps around. The yeah, track, they got the leaderboard. The leaderboard. Yeah. We could have all time leaderboards of beta males. We could yeah. score them. We could score, of course, Jussie Smollett. 
he's, he's got the, the statue at the top. Yeah. But then down under, you've got the inaugural runner-ups of Peter Mouse of the Universe. Yeah. Razor Anning would get a good gig. Daniel Radcliffe. Anyways. Um, Peter. Peter. Uh, so according to the rap, which... We can fo- do maybe the Steve Irwin Award. That can be our shout-outs award. Yeah. Now, there's also a, a different show slash website called The Rap. Um, according to The Rap, I think it follows like the ratings of TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah. It's more of a, a TV entertainment guide type of situation. Um, the Empire fell a whole 29% in viewers from a comparable episode last year. So, Good work, Jassy. Jassy, this is, yeah. you've ruined the career of yourself and your homeboys, <laughs> beta, male. And also, uh, I think we should mention the fact that uh, the, the, the cast tried to organise a card. Yeah, they tried to organise a card to send to Jassy, like a you're in our thoughts card, and uh, the crew were just literally just told them pretty much to F off. Yeah. Like... Because um, when when the ratings fall twenty the when when the ratings fall twenty nine percent, the crew feel it as well. Yeah, like, they feel it even harder. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. they do because they're more contract work. The um the cast is more um like go, they're extended. You can go audition for new things. You can yeah. do this and that. Mm. Your crew and your show drops that drastically. Yeah. Cool. What's next? Salmon lawsuit. Oh, they, I love this. So anyway, um, it, do you want to do it? No. You don't want to do it? You do. Um, I don't have a lot of it in front of me. Um, but you researched it. <laughs> oh, I love this. But Precious. no, I don't want to do it. No, I, I, I want to do it. So uh, Nick Sandman was uh, one of the, the premier Covington Catholic students that if you followed uh, the story... Um, Covington Catholic kids, as part of March for Our Lives, went and attended the rally. Now... CNN, Washington Post, and... Probably Huffington Post. Huffington Post. So pretty much most of the left-wing media outlets. Because a lot of these Covington boys were wearing Make America Great Again hats, their aim was to try and paint these kids already as uh, right-wing racist uh, xenophobes, Mm. basically. And also anti-abortion, so anti-women, so misogynistic. So, But what happened was, whilst they were at the rally, there's a group called the Black Hebrew Israelites, which is... uh, essentially an ethno-nationalist um, radical group full of black people mm-hmm. um, who are yelling disgusting things at these kids. Anyways, in the midst of all this, what's his name? What's his Nathan Nick, Phillips? I think it's Nick Sandman. No, Nathan Phillips, whatever his yeah. name is. Native Indian dude. So there's this guy who comes up to Nick Sandman who was just standing there. He, the, the Covington boys are standing at one side and the black Hebrew Israelites are on the other side. Now, Nick Sandman's just standing there. He's in, in front of the, the Covington boys and Nathan Phillips comes up and starts banging a drum in his face. Now, he was native in Indian drums. He was one native Indian drums and he was in his full native Indian gear as mm. well. So I don't know what the good optics, photo optics. It's great optics. And so Nick Salmon standing there, he's how old do you reckon? He's 17, he's something. 13. Like, no, he's younger. Okay, he's probably, yeah, I think he's, he's definitely a minor. Yeah. Anyway, he's standing there and Nathan Phillips is beating this drum in his face and Nathan Phillips, is, uh, Nick Salmon's just standing there with a smile on his face. With a right. smirk. With a smirk. Okay, and so this is the shot that CNN, Washington Post, all these guys use to pretty much just say that he's, because he's, he's smug, he's got his, uh, he's half smiling, he's got a Make America Great Again hat, he's got all his boys behind him, there's a Native American there banging the drum, um, and he's, what they were trying to portray is if Nick Salmon had come up to the Native American and was just getting in his face. Now, yeah. so they originally reported this, and all the reactions from all the major um, news outlets were, 
this is what's happening to the youth. Donald Trump has radicalised these kids. They're turning into misogynistic... Racist. Racist, um, anti-women's rights type operators. Now, then what happens is... So they run all this stuff. They pretty much... This kid got put on the headline of every single outlet. Top of the show. All the Twitter... All the Twitter threads. So then what happened was all these celebrities and everyone else decided to jump on board and slam these kids. Now, a lot of them, they tried to dox them as Mm. well. Yeah. Who's the... Kathy, who's a redheaded Kathy Newman? No, no, Kathy, no, Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin. Yeah, she tried. She she tried to to get the there kids were, information. There were people who were saying these kids just need to be punched. Yeah, Reza Aslan. Reza Aslan. There was a couple of CNN commentators were jumping in saying these kids are deplorable, like this yeah. type of stuff. Anyway, it turns out that what happened was Nathan Phillips had come Probably up to him. Probably a few him. people were literally shaking. <laughs> right now, <laughs> RN literally shaking. For literally real, shaking, for RN. Um, so then. What actually happened was that these kids were just standing there. They were getting absolutely uh, mm. berated by these black Hebrew Israelites. Nate Phillips comes flying up, starts beating his drum in the face. Now, so all the allegations that these news media outlets had made was that uh, Nick Salmon had turned up racist and being mm. aggressive towards this Native American. And no due ed- diligence done. No due diligence, right? And so they've totally ruined this kid's reputation. And now the video comes out. The two-hour video. That it wasn't actually the case. Yeah, and it's so the opposite. So Nick Salmon has gone. Okay, well, you know what? Kind of over this. Yeah. Um, Good. We're we're gonna slap CNN with a lawsuit worth two hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Big time. Big it's time. Sixteen-year-old. That's how old. Sixteen-year-old. I don't know if you you pay tax on that, but if it goes <laughs> through. Now, what's more than likely is that it won't end up being two hundred and sixty million. If it gets through it all. Mm. Um, I think he definitely has a legitimate case considering the media did not conduct any due diligence. Um, I think this is a case of the good guy... Um, against the deep state. Against the deep state, maybe getting a bit of justice. Yeah. And this is often the case with these things, is that this is why I think it's important that you should always wait, pause a little bit, just to see if there's more data available. Because yeah. often in these first knee-jerk reactions, it's almost always too good to be true. You mm. see it with Jussie Smollett, See with the Covington case, particularly when there's um, people who are alleged to be "Make America Great Again" people, there's almost always more information to the story. So I would say to all the liberals and to all the people who are uh, out to get the MAGA guys, be careful when you're putting together this type of stuff because it can bite you in the ass. Mm. Um, yeah, and then all the news media—they didn't come out with like a big apology. You either get like zero apology or like a, a page six, two-sentence retraction. Yeah, um, just that we'd like to make a couple edits. And it's just totally fake news. So he's suing CNN for 275 He's suing Washington Post for 250 mil. Go get him, bro. I, go I, get him. Go secure the bag. Go just, get this bread. Go get it, bro. And you know what? I was saying Dukes before. This may end up being <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to Dick Sandman. Because he's, yeah. he's going to be portrayed as a little bit of a hero. And he's a bit of a celebrity. He's a bit of a celebrity. He's got one of the most iconic mugs yeah. Around. Now, also bear in mind that this Nathan Phillips guy, this American in it, stolen valor, he claimed he was a Vietnam veteran. He wasn't. He didn't serve in the Marine Corps. He did a camera. Um, this guy is an all-time pretender. Yeah. He's an all-time he's pretender. He's fake news. He's, he's literally fake news. And just don't, be, don't believe everything you see on TV. That's what yeah. I would say. Um, good. I reckon if you get like... Um, so let's say it goes through, just one of them goes through and he gets 300 mil. That would be, if you just invested that in equities, and let's say you're getting like 3 or 
What's that for like a yearly income? That's got to be like close to 10 mil. Well, the rule is, the rule in general is if you get a 10% return, you double your money every seven years. So, Do you reckon you'll get a 10% return though? No, it's almost that most hedge funds don't get 10%, but that's the kind of rule. So if he wanted to live off the interest, let's just say even if it was 1% and he made, yeah. he got 300 mil. That's, that's 3 mil. 3 million bucks a year. That's if he invested with, say, Bridgewater Associates... Um, and Ray Dalio, hedge fund manager, um, one of their one of their funds got, I think it was fourteen point nine percent last year. Yeah. Which yeah, it was one of the best performing hedge funds. A lot of them haven't performed well recently, particularly the quants. Um, that's by the by. By the way. Oh, you say that every single. Episode. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Go get that bread, Sandman. Go, Go get, get it. it. And take him to the cleaners. Take him. Get the kitchen sink out of CNN. Get the toaster. Get 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 the window. Get the get broom. The, get the Nespresso <laughs> machine out of there. Get the pods as well. Get get all the soy products. Take the batteries out of the remotes. <laughs> and you know, I reckon just burn the place down. Mm. Mm. Hopefully, something will rise out of it that's better, like a phoenix. But I imagine it's just more deep state tentacles. Mm. Mm. With no one inside, we don't want to burn it down with people. Inside. But again, you just see this massive overreaction. Same with the Jussie Smollett. It's like mm. these guys are just. Wake mm. up. Wake up. You're go, only hurting yourselves. Go get him. The Sandman's here to take your lunch money. It's the uh, classic <laughs> Spider-Man villain who's now turned into the hero. Okay, Alex, do you want to do... Um, bring us through the US college admission scandal that happened uh, earlier this week. Okay. Basically, what has unraveled, and which I don't think anyone is really surprised about is that there are a bunch of wealthy parents and individuals, uh, actresses, famous actresses, hedge fund managers, uh, wealth management professionals, uh, all these type operators had been engaged <laughs> in, in a almost like a pay-for-play scheme, uh, mm. a whole bunch of bribes uh, to get their kids into top... Taking the leaf out of Clinton book. So this is a bit of Clinton action. <laughs> and this is... Um, speaking of suing, I might as well just throw this in as well. So obviously you can imagine a lot of people are pissed off because they say, well, you know, my kid may not have had the fair crack that he deserved. Um, or she. Or she. Or she. Or Z. Or Z. Or Z. Or Z. Um, because these parents were paying... So this uh, woman, a teacher from Oakland, California, is suing Felicity Huffman and Laurie Lachlan... Uh, for $500 billion. <laughs> Are you sure you got that right? Yes, it's a B. <laughs> Claiming. <laughs> it's ambitious. It's ambitious, but it's worth a ping. It's so these are, these, are two the actu- these are two of the actresses. Yeah. Does anyone have $500 billion? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone in the world. It's like Austin Powers. You know when Austin Powers is around? One million. One million. Jillion. Jillion. Okay, so claiming that... Jillion trillion. So what, what she's doing, the Oakland, California as well. So you can be like Marshawn Lynch's type of crew. Um, claiming that their college bribery prevented her son from gaining admission to his preferred colleges. So according to a report from The Hill, Jennifer K. Toy, an Oakland teacher, has filed, filed a $500 billion lawsuit against Toy Lachlan over their alleged role in the college bribery scandal. Um, so Laughlin and Huffman allegedly worked with William Rick Singer to fraudulently gain admission for their children in top universities. Now this guy is... He's the kingpin. He's a smooth operator. He's the smooth operator. So what he would do 
was he would take massive amounts of money. Take secure the bag. He would secure the bag, and then he would fraudulently uh, engage with the universities to say that these people were often uh, elite athletes. Mm. Um, so that they their admissions score test would be lower. Mm. What they often did as well, several cases of people of him organising people to take the tests, mm. like the SATs for yeah. these kids, um, going to off-site facilities. Yeah. Um, he would also bribe some of the people at the schools. I'm pretty yeah. sure he gave the the women's soccer team coach 400 grand to admit this kid uh, on a soccer scholarship who didn't even play soccer. Uh, it's worse than that. So what he would often do as well is he would have to set up a profile for these kids. He would Photoshop the faces of these actors and, and actresses' kids, the faces onto like professional athletes' bodies <laughs> and create a profile for them so that they came under the, the bracket of elite athlete. Mm. Um, so he, there were four basic methods that Singer used to get children from wealthy families into schools. The first two just involved bribes. Um, so he would bribe entrance exam administrators to allow a third party to facilitate cheating on college. So he would bribe the person who's supposed to be administrating. He'd bring someone else in. They'd take the test for... Mm. Yeah. Um, yes. So it was pretty... Look, it's pretty funny. I don't think it's particularly surprising. Mm. Uh, I think most people are like... Get into those Ivy League schools. Yeah. Because they are really competitive to get into. Yeah. I'm not justifying it, but they are difficult. Mm. They're hard to get into. It's, a, it's a five hundred billion dollar education. What are the odds? What are they? What can you run us through this? Look, this it literally only off. just came up, and it's. I think it's a buy the. I think everyone's saying. I think five hundred billion shock is, value. It's a bit ridiculous, but it's literally shock value. I mean, aim high. Good, aim high. Reach for the um. Reach for the stars and reach yeah. the trees. Reach, reach for the stars, and if you, and if you fall, <laughs> the clouds will catch up. And you might get some. Get between the rocks to the sand at the bottom. See, yeah, uh, there's about two people watching. You might watching. even land yourself in a in an Ivy League school, fall from the sky. Inside the school grounds, you might you might find yourself. What the heck <laughs> is going on? All right, what do we got next? Because we're moving actually reasonably. Well, we're over an hour. The, um, the Boeing planes. Now we're going to do Boeing planes. I think you got to do it. Do you want to do it? You already know we had to do it to him. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't researched it. Neither have I. Do you know about the Boeing plane? And you haven't done any stories today yet. Okay. Do you know about the Boeing planes? Not particularly, but I'll give it a crack. Do you want me to give my initial understanding of it? I, you give your initial understanding. I'll look it up. And then if something comes up or something like that, I'll continue. My, my understanding is only quite small, but I, I think it's a reasonably compact story. How about I go and then As usual, our understanding is quite small. We, we want to caveat this whole podcast with the fact that we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> I'll start. You can, I'll come in strong. You bring it home. See, I thought we were doing bad cop, bad cop. <laughs> no. So when you went hard, I thought I had to go even harder. What are you doing? <laughs> so my understanding is that there was a plane crash of one of these Boeing planes. Is that the Kenya to Ethiopia one or Ethiopia to Kenya? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. We don't know. <laughs> um, and these Boeing planes uh, were, there'd been an, an order for a bunch of them to come to Australia and for Australian. Uh, Virgin was bringing in 40. Yeah. yeah. So a bunch of these planes were supposed to be used. And then after this plane crash, um, which still I think is being investigated, uh, 
or they all got sent I back. I think and there might have been, been more than one crash. Yeah, there's been two crashes, and this is the, and it's this the same is, plane. Yeah, it's the same plane, but it's two different airlines. So um, the thing, the the, the 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 reason why it's a little bit it's iffy because it looks like the circumstances of the crash are quite similar. Mm. Um, pilot lost control. This is you know trigger warning. Uh, my understanding is that lost control. He went up, down, kind of oscillated a bit, then he went up, and they ascended really fast for whatever reason right. and then they just lost control and it's just a free fall yeah um that's so scary that's, that's so it's enough to make scary. you not want to fly but that being said um i think it's still statistically the safest way to travel mm. but um yeah so the, the the boeing 737 max um jets automatic stabilizers could have played a role in both crashes that's what it looks like mm. and that the the equipment's just malfunctioned the stabilizers have gone haywire and um well yeah well it so, might be something that those weren't built properly so they're saying the similarities between the, the boeing 737 max 8 jet that crashed in ethiopia last weekend killing 157 people and the fatal lion air crash in indonesia in october keep growing so things what happens is obviously virgin all these airlines they don't make their own planes they hire they get them from boeing or they get it from Airbus or wherever. Mm. Um, so Virgin Airlines, Australian Virgin, has uh, bought 40 of the, this exact plane. Um, so it's saying that according to a New York Times report, investigators at the crash site of the Ethiopian Airlines flight found evidence that suggests that the plane stabilizers were tilted upward. So um, I guess that causes it to, and then it just cuts out because it gets to a certain altitude. I don't know exactly what happens, but yeah, I know so that it's definitely it, not playing mechanics. We're not playing mechanics, but I would say it would, stabil- it would, would, would not help the flight. Stabilizers are important, I would imagine. <laughs> yes. Um, maybe you could also say that now would be a good time to buy shares in Boeing. I assume they would have probably gone down a lot. Now, I don't want to delve into conspiracy theories. Do you but, think that's a conspiracy theory? Um, didn't realise we had Eddie Bravo across the desk no I'm not going to comment on that one that one's yeah that one's that's by out, the by out, that's out, by the by that's neither here nor there that's a little bit out of it I think yeah it's too soon wait for more information too soon wait for more information yeah okay well thank you for being with us we're going to take a quick break and then come back and do the sports and culture report um Tell us what you think. We'd love to, to hear the comments and, and engage with, with you guys uh, in the little CHP community we got going so far. We've had some good feedback. Um, and if you have negative feedback, we also want to hear it because it's usually pretty funny. Yeah, so people keep sliding into my DMs and telling me how annoying it is to have one camera angle because that, that happens quite frequently, actually. Why have you never brought this up? Because we, we know that the issue's there. We just... Okay, well, we'll have uh, a brief intermission and a production meeting. Yeah, we're going to have a serious production meeting and we're also going to talk about withholding of your feedback (laughs) and information. So, Okay, well, thanks for being with us. Um, We promise next week I'll try and be a bit more animated. Um, But, you know, we've got to get the content done. Now, we're we're going to do jumping to conclusions at the end of the next one. Oh, we are doing jumping to conclusions. No, we're just doing that now. Yeah, we'll do jumping to conclusions now. Good point. Um, (laughs) Jumping to conclusions. Why we need to... What you have to understand about what you have to understand just about re- Canberra. Re- so my conclusion is that we should move the um, capital. capital to Sydney, and we should put the Parliament House in Penrith. And as well as just rolling off the tongue nicely, uh, the benefits of this program would be immense. 
what you have to understand about Canberra and the Parliament being in Canberra, uh, essentially a city that is totally built uh, on uh, on the government. Um, initially, it was Melbourne and Sydney fighting for who would be the capital at Federation, and they couldn't decide, so they decided to choose a place that was in the middle. Now, that was a, quite a small town, as far as I understand it, when it was chosen, um, and then you put a big government in there. So literally, almost everyone who lives there, unless you own you know, the cafe in, in, in the Parliament House, is on on public uh, payroll. Even AIS. Um, yeah, even AIS. And well, there's, yeah. there's um, what's that uh, place? Questacon. You've got Questacon there. Questacon's crap. Uh, but what you have Questacon to understand, what you have, what you have to understand about it is that when you have a city in which the only thing it's there, the only thing it has is the government, it's like living on a spaceship. Everyone is off in the clouds with their own ideas about how society works uh, but none of them are paying any tax. Um, so what we should do... Do the government employees not pay tax? Oh, well, they might pay tax, but it's going back into their income anyway. So it's they're like they're, they're invested in the tax. It's a pyramid scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. Government is a pyramid scheme. So that could be what you should do is move it out of Canberra, because um, first of all, it's pretty inconvenient having it in Canberra. It should be in one of... It should be either, either in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, I just would prefer, you know, I hate to do it to you, Sydney, but someone's got to, got to take these people. Um, you put it in Penrith, so they actually have to be surrounded by real people. Um, they have to understand everyone. the policies uh, that they the implement. Um, they, also sh- they also should understand um, what the policy implications are on people who aren't you know, in the top income brackets. Um, they should be around real Australian people um, putting in a hard day's yakka. I would say I would even I would go further than you. So you would agree with the conclusion? I would I would actually probably agree with the conclusion. I think it's actually based pretty reasonably in logic. I would move it to the Tanami Desert in the middle of Australia. And what I would say is, um, you're all the only power that you can generate is that which you can generate renewably. I say, if you guys want everyone else to get to zero net emissions um, and not feel the pinch, uh, you guys should lead the charge. So you guys are going to do zero net emissions in 2020. Right. As soon as we get you there, we'll get you... So people will throw some solar panels in. I guarantee you, if you said, um, yeah, Paul and Hanson and the Greens are going to have to live off uh, renewable energy, and they have to live there as well, I would say. They have to live there. I don't think Paul and Hanson says that. Yeah, no, Pauline Hanson, I think, is pretty pro-coal anyway. But I'm just saying, if people said... you know, Tiny Plibersec. Well, but if they also said that, oh, we think Pauline should rough it a bit, which a lot of people mm. probably do, then if you had to live off 100% renewables, you can see what it's like. Mm. Uh, move it to the Tanami Desert, it's hot, and then you can feel the pinch. Mm. That's we, can, we can film it. And it you can also like, feel I'm cold a... in the winter. The desert yeah. will get pretty cold yeah. at night time. It gets, you get the best of both worlds. You get it really <laughs> hot during the day, and then you get... Really cold at night. Can be a, you get about one hour of nice weather during that half an hour in the morning, half an hour at night yeah. in the in the nice in between Goldilocks zones. Yeah, I'm a politician. Get me out of here. <laughs> and then you can also who would it be hosted by? Because I don't want it to be the um Julia the Morris. Why don't, Julia have, Morris. why don't we have just CHP hosting it? We get our own. We can have <laughs> we our can coal have power and bunk beds. We can have bunk beds. We can have we can have a little little slumber party <laughs> during the season. <laughs> 
and then we can we can get us just an array of reality TV shows out of these politicians. <laughs> we can watch Married at First Sight. Keeping up with One Nation. <laughs> so you think you can dance political style? <laughs> You're being ridiculous here. But the question the question would then arise: Well, what do you do with Canberra as it stands mm. now? I think there's some pretty cool stuff what, you could do with government, I like the say, um, Parliament House. Well, this is part of this is actually house. what I was thinking about before. I would turn Canberra into a special economic zone that pays zero percent personal income tax and zero yeah. percent business tax, yeah. and just use it as an experiment and see what happens. No, I agree. That's one of the reasons why you know you'd almost be tempted to uh, buy an island, mm. for example, if you could turn yourself into an actual um, de jure government, one that's recognised by other states. I think um, this is what this is what Botswana did. Botswana did a very similar thing, and I think it was Hong Kong did a very similar thing as well when they were trying to uh, kickstart. They said, "If you come here, you're going to pay very very little tax." Um, obviously, Hong Kong had a, a more po- a bigger population, but um, you could almost turn uh, Canberra into like the the Vatican within Italy, like. Yeah, well, if you say to big businesses, come and put your headquarters in Canberra because you're not going to pay any tax on it, yeah. I guarantee you, you'd be se- you'd be seeing skyscrapers go up, you know, the next day. And you know what? The bu- the bureaucrats they would hate that as well because they, they love it. tax. Yeah, they, the people in Canberra have never seen a tax they didn't like. They, mm. The only question they said is, how much more can we stick them for? Mm. Mm. Jillian yeah. the reptilian is a big fan of tax. Loves on tax. Four hundred twenty grand a year. Disgusting <laughs> amounts of money. Despicable. That's eight grand a week. Despicable. <laughs> that is despicable. That's over a thousand dollars a day. Just and you don't work on weekends. That's and true. They probably get a lot of public holidays and sick days, so you'd think they'd be working probably four days a week. Oh, but think about all the expenses as well, all the lunches, all, all the lunches you'd have to do as the, the head of the Human Rights oh. Commission. A lot of all the lunches with the high court judges and, <laughs> and a lot of brunches as well. I a lot of brunches. A lot of avocado. I can't do lunch, but I can do brunch. Can you? Can we make it eleven? <laughs> she's she's getting this bread. She's, she's getting the bread, but she's, it's not hers. She's, she's stealing this, it. This stolen, smashed avo. The nacho cheese. No, Disgusting. I wonder if it tastes better when you didn't pay for it. <laughs> Yes, there is no such thing as a self-paid lunch. In you Canberra. can you can imagine though that they would have like additional topics in Canberra, which is like soy. No, soy. but like like the real deep state conspiracy theory stuff. The like, deep state food. Like uh, what's that? The the chemical androgen or something like that. What's it called? I don't know. The um, adrenochrome. Adrenochrome. I never yeah. heard of it. It's basically. Uh, this is Alex Jones. This is deep state stuff. Basically, um, it's turning the frogs gay. No, this is worse. This is worse. That uh, I'll get it up. It's a chemical that you produce in times of heightened fear, like the most serious fear, mm. and that they've actually been able to isolate it from people. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's apparently well, it's, it's. I don't think. I think they would probably be feeding it to everyone except the people in Canberra. Mm. You think Canberra people wouldn't be eating it because they'd know about it? <laughs> they're woke. This they woke level work. is. Off the scale. Over 9,000. <laughs> Basically, 9, they, they get it from kids. Yeah, this is... Um, Are we going to do this now? I would just say to everyone, go look at Adrenochrome. That's what I would it? say. That's the better way. How do you spell it? Adrenochrome. So A-D-R-E. 
N-O-C-H-R-O-M-E. Adrenochrome. You turned into an Eddie Bravo, Alex Jones hybrid, in which you say you're conspiracies. Can I tell you that? Like, you got to do your own research about it. Yeah, but um, that uh, Joe Rogan, um, Alex Jones conspiracy, like when he just went through all, he went through everything. Yeah. Right? A lot of it, like you're kind of following with him. Yeah. Like he's, he does make some good points. He makes some good, and like when he talks about the stuff and he goes, go look it up, and you look it up, and it's exactly what he said. Yeah. And when he when he he's done stuff where he's uncovered shit like this before, <laughs> and he's dropping the s bomb right as we finish. Bohemian Grove. No, the Bohemian Grove is a bit iffy, but the the thing that he did with the um, anyway, we're gonna wrap this up. This is gonna be way too um, way too much dribbles. Um, I'm happy to do a separate show called Conspiracy Theories. Well, tell us if you'd like it. I don't know if anyone's still listening. Dude, that is I'd like. That is a cash cow conspiracy theory podcast. That yeah. is a license to print money. Okay. All right. Well, we can we oh, we can look into that. Andy, you can take up that range. Because the government likes the ones about aliens. They love the one about aliens because it's actually it discredits the other ones, which are actually true. Right. Have you um Have you seen the uh, like Alex Jones says that that um yeah, they love the ones about the doubles. aliens coming from like outer space because the interstellar the the beings are actually operating on an interdimensional level and not actually like a physical like we they visit us from different dimensions but they don't actually come down from yeah like they're not coming down on the flying saucer but they yeah. love the flying saucer conspiracies because it yeah. totally looks like it debunks all the other stuff that like yeah. shows is talking about so it's pretty funny have you guys seen the um like presidential <laughs> alerts memes where it's just like um like george bush is just like yeah oh Donald, wait, wait. <laughs> no, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good. It's like, wait, Donald, you know what? Bigfoot put my um, phone. I think I left it in Area Fifty Two, and then Trump's like, said something. Then Barack's like, boys, you sent the group chat. It's <laughs> a presidential alerts. Well, look it up if you if you found that to be a good uh, good taste. You can you can go and look it up. Um, we're gonna say goodbye. Uh, and we're going to come back and do a sports and culture report. I'm keen to do more conspiracy theory stuff. We're I reckon do a conspiracy th- series theory series. <laughs> that's a mouthful <laughs> to say, isn't it? That's dribble. But I mean, you can lower the bar. Like, there's stuff like the minimum wage. Like, if you if you say that we should get rid of the minimum wage, people we say that's do, a conspiracy well, we could theory. Do, we could do aliens as episode one and minimum wage as episode two. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you guys later. Tell us what you think. Um, this has been... It's been good having you. Tell us what you think about moving the capital to, to, to Penrith. Also, I want to hear if people thought Dukes was a little bit moody and a little bit sippy at the beginning of the podcast. Probably probably was. Alright. Catch you later. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Au <laughs> revoir. Oh,